Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, so we're going to go in three, two, one. Lions Lounge Lockdown, episode 66. It's Teddy Sheridan. Teddy, thank you so much, mate, for joining us. No problem. Looking forward to this chat. Yeah, well, do you know what? We'll get straight into it. A lot of people say that throughout your career, obviously, you've had a great career, but you always go back to the best times of your career. Was it me or Wall, you know? Well, without a doubt. You know, we're, I do a few Q&As around the country, around the world these days. And uh, people say to me, like, where was your best time in football? And they automatically assume that I'm going to say Man United or, or Tottenham, whatever, you know, because it was higher up. But yeah. um, I always revert back to Millwall. Coming coming through the ranks with, with a, a load of my mates, apprentices, uh, getting the chance in the first team, getting absolutely caned by the supporters, and then, come, and then coming through that period, and uh, having great success with the club is is something to look back on. And we still have a WhatsApp group now of of all the ex players, uh, all that that team, you know. So I'm still in touch with the likes of Big Cass, anyway, uh, Woody, Alan McCleary, Brian Orne, Darren Morgan, David Thompson, uh, Nicky Coleman, Sean Sparham. You know, the whole the whole list goes on. You know, from those days, George Lawrence, Jimmy Carter. So we we had a right close knit group of uh, players. And um, it was it was great times when you look back at you know John Dockett, Frank McClintock as well, Roger Cross. It, it was all a real unity we had at the time. Yeah, brilliant times, mate. So I was eighty-seven, eighty-eight. I was eight, so it's like really the first Mill team I remember. So I was spoiled if anything. I thought oh, this must happen every week, and it hasn't happened since. We've had loads <laughs> of those boys on. Uh, Dave Thompson, he's a what a character he has. He is somehow. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a live wire. <laughs> he, uh, he came on the scene a little bit at the end. He's a little bit younger than us, uh, the majority of us, but uh, he's a good lad. Alan Dowson, who's manager of my son now uh, at Dartford. Funny how it all turns around. He was a young left back with Tomo as well. So oh, really? uh, they came down from Newcastle together. So, you know, it's great. You started, well, you became a pro in 83 to 91, 262 appearances, 111 goals. But you did come through the youth system. How did you come about to get to me in the first place? Uh, I was playing for Leytonstone and Ilford. I'd, I'd been released by Tottenham um, at 14 and a half. And I was playing for Leytonstone and Ilford. 
and we actually played against Millwall in a youth game. We won the game 2-0. Uh, I scored both goals and Roger Cross and Bob Pearson caught me in the tunnel afterwards uh, in the little uh, corridor. I remember it to this day and, and said, um, we really liked how you played today. Uh, we'd like to give you a six-game trial down at Millwall. And I said, wow, okay, yeah, of course I will. Um, where is it? You know, because you didn't have all... I'm being an East London boy, I, I didn't know where Millwall was. I, I thought it was somewhere around Luton-ish for, for some reason. You know, we didn't have all this access to, on the internet and knowing what, what's going on around the world. But And they said, oh, we're, we're South London. Um, we, we start training on Tuesday night, I think it was, and we'll see you there. And I was like, well, how do I get there? I went, well, you, you just you get there. We'll give you where you got to get to. I think it was somewhere in Lewisham at the time to go and uh, train. And we said, we'll see you there Tuesday night. So there I was, three buses and a couple of trains and got there for, for training. And obviously uh, impressed in the couple of games that I had, even though I didn't think I did. And they said, we want to offer you apprenticeship. And I was absolutely delighted to be to be getting paid to play football for the next couple of years of my life. Mm. But apprenticeships, apprenticeships were different back then when they know um, no Instagram and easy 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 rides. It was all scrubbing the boots and cleaning the kits and stands. Oh, mate, in that in that old in the old den there, they, they used to have um, we used to have track suits and all the first team had track suits for the week. So and there was it was called a, a hot room where once they'd all been sliding around in the mud on the on a Monday morning, we used to hang them up in the in the hot room. And they, by the time you got them out for Tuesday morning's training, they were like rock. So you had to like beat them on the on the on the side of the changing room to make them soft enough for the players to, to put on, so they could wear them again Tuesday, and then the same again Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It, it was an absolute nightmare. <laughs> Who were the senior pros at that time that you were sort of looking up to? Oh, um, well, Big Kitch was there. Barry Kitchener um, was. He's just coming to the end of his career when I when I first went down there. Uh, took over for a couple of games as well. Uh, lovely man, lovely man to be around. Um, Keith Stevens had just got in the first team. Um, Alan McCleary was just breaking into the team, but you had the likes of Dave Kusak, Anton Otlikowski, Trevor Aylott, Nicky Chatterton, uh, Robert Wilson, Dean Neal. Dean Horrocks, God rest his soul. Um, Paul Sansom, Paul Robinson, Paul Roberts, Dave Martin. All these yeah, lunatics that, that, that I've come across in recent times as well. Saw Paul Roberts at uh, Hadleywood recently and had a, a reminisce about the old days. Who did you come through? Who was like in your youth team? Did you remember Michael Marks and, and Roger Winter, people like that? Yeah, they, they was a little bit younger than me. Marksy. Marks, he was, uh, I think he's probably two years younger than me. Um, Neil Ruddock was a, a skinny left winger uh, <laughs> in my youth team. Yeah. Um, Nicky Coleman, fantastic left back. Um, gutted for him that he, he didn't make it really in, in the Millwall team because he, he was a good mate of mine and a, a proper left back, you know. Wanted yeah. to kick, wanted to kick uh, right, back, right wingers. Never let anyone past him. Cultured left foot, hard as nails. Loved him, um, but I think the the crowd got the better of him. And uh, you know, he's still a great lad. Even now, though, still we still reminisce about our old times. Uh, good times. I saw that thing. It was like a, a London five aside, and 
you was in the team, Roger Winter, and yeah. you and I saw I looked at a picture earlier and it was what night that was. I think we beat every team uh that we played against and, and won the, the five aside. Roger Winter, I think, scored two goals in every game and everyone was like, What a player he he is. Um, and he was. He was a fantastic player and we was all very, very surprised that he didn't go on to do bigger and better things at Millwall. Yeah, well look some of them reports earlier said like he absolutely run the show, Roger Winter. Unbelievable. Yes. Yeah, and another great lad as well. Great. I've I've seen him recently when I was a manager at Stevenage. He brought a player down for me to have a look at. He was rubbish, by the way, this player. But you know, so he doesn't he doesn't know his footballers, Roger. Good player, but can't pick a good player out. Yeah. So I've looked right into it as well because I, I don't really remember your very early years. But from when you joined me, it took you a long old time to get in the first team because I mean we was in what would now be League One at the time at the lower uh, part of that division. But we had, still had people scoring goals in front of you. Um, but you went, went out on a couple of loans. One to Aldershot and one to Douche Gardens in Sweden. I'm interested in that that one at Sweden especially. Yeah. Um, well, I broke into the team under George Graham. Um, scored my first goal down at, down at... In fact, I missed a sitter at home for Millwall against Brentford. And I thought, that's it. I've, I've blown my chance. That's it. I remember it. Edder at the far post. And then we lost the game 2-1 as well, late late in the game, I think. But all I can remember is missing the sitter, thinking, that's it, I've blown my chance. Played Bournemouth the next week. And I don't know whether I came on as a sub or I started, but I scored my first goal right in front of the Millwall fans down at Dean Court and jumped up on the fence and loved every minute of it. You know, that was proper passion. I thought, I want some more of this. I, I, want, to, I want to be scoring goals for in my lifetime. That's what I want to do, that that gave me that shot of adrenaline that just made me think this this is what I'm about. Yeah, you went on to score a ridiculous amount of goals made for the club. But yeah. before you say broke in, I think it was the 82-83 season. It was, because everyone remembers you for great times at Mill, but your first year is actually as a pro, I think you made one appearance on the bench, didn't get on, because there's only one sub back then. But we had like three managers within that space of time. It was um, Peter Anderson got sacked, Kitch yeah. took over the caretaker, then George come in. I think it was 10 points of drift of safety. Playing in front of crowds like three thousand, looking like he was going to go out of business. Like, what was that like for you? Like an early education in the football before you actually really broke you in. You know, it, I didn't know any different. I didn't. I didn't know any different what football was all about. So I was in a professional outfit and was loving learning about the game. You know, you talk about George Graham coming in and changing the whole thought process of the players. That it was all about grinding out results, winning results. We had a centre-forward in John Fashnu that used to smash centre-halves about all over the place, smash full-backs about. You know, I was a young 16, 17, probably coming 18-year-old then and thinking, I know what this game's all about. I want to curl it in the top corner, chip the keeper. And George was like, no, this professional football is not all about that. You have to, I don't care what part of your body it comes off, just get the ball in the back of the net and it's only one goal. Whether you curl it in the top corner or whether it comes off your knee and slides in the corner, it's only one goal, so just keep scoring the goals. And he kept on at me, on at me. I didn't really get that drift, so I went to Sweden. I was getting paid to for win bonuses out there, so that was nice. You know, we I won the second division uh, south, I think. No, second division north with Hugh Gordon, top scorer. Came back to Millwall and expected to go straight in the first team because of that. Um, George didn't think I was ready still. And it was a, a learning process watching John Fashion, the way he, the way he played the game, and 
the way, funny, it was my mum that said to me, I was having a whinge up saying I, I thought I should be in the first team and, you know, fascist rubbish, can't even trap a dead rat. And, and, and uh, my mum said to me, we was in the players lounge one time and, and she went, I was having a whinge up like a sport kid as you do. And she said, you have a look at Fash when he comes off after, after when he's finished the game. He's sweating, he's, he's dripping. He, you know, he has put everything into that game. When you come off the pitch, you look like you could go and play another game. And I, and I was like, oh, shut up, mum, shut up. You know, as a petulant young kid, wasn't it? You know, it kind of dawned on me that, hold on, why would my mum say that to me if she if she didn't mean it? Yeah. So, you know, it. what with that and John Doherty coming in a little while later and telling me the same things that George had told me, the penny dropped and, you know, I got on to becoming a, a proper professional footballer. Yeah, but you was, I'm not saying you didn't draft because obviously you went on to, to brilliant things, but even when you was at United and, and Spurs, you were just so comfortable on the ball. You used to find, pull off, find space. You, you make it look easy at times, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I couldn't run fast, so I had to be, I had to be clever. You Read know, the game. Yeah. around me. And I, it was like, I, I was a case of, right, I'm not, I'm not going to beat him. I'm not going to get there quicker than him, so I've got to be clever and, and do it. And, with the help of Roger Cross, who was fantastic for me at Millwall, told me about a few different runs, tell me how to pull off of people, hold the ball up. And, um, you know, I gradually got into the team, gradually got better, started scoring goals, and the, then the confidence starts flowing. Yeah, I think I was just I was looking at you. Oh, he's going to kick in in a minute. He's going to kick in. Obviously, when you first came through, when you got your charges, you come, I think, one season you played four, scored two. But so when you first come into the club, like, you had to wait a long old time. You had uh, obviously Dean New in front of you scoring goals, Kevin Bremner. Then Steve Lovell went from right back to centre forward. He was scoring goals. Then they brought Fashion. Was you not thinking at any point could be time to move on? Or did you ever knock on George Graham's door and have a conversation with him? No, no, I didn't think there's any time. No, I, I wasn't that good to move on. It was just a case of, I don't know. I, I don't ever, don't think I ever thought that. I was I was chomping at the bit to get my first team chance because when he was at a football club at Bill, then there, there weren't a lot of players in in the club. Yeah. You, know, you had your first team, then you had probably your first team squad, then about four other players, some happy, some not, some contract disputes or whatever, and then it went straight to the youth team. So if a couple were injured, all of a sudden you was on the bench, so you you knew your chance was going to come at some stage. So. It was just a matter of keep learning, keep keep practicing. You know, we used to love, we used to do the training in the morning, and we'd, we'd be like me, Razor, and Mark, see Paul Malcolm, who you've talked about. We're all like, can we do some extra training? Can we do some shooting and crossing in the afternoon, Rog? Like, come on, let's have, let's just have an hour, and we'd be out there three and a half, four hours in the afternoons. You know, we'd, we'd do again the next, and you're, you're learning your techniques. That's that's our that's how you, you get to learn techniques, headers, you know, crossing the ball in volleys, curling the ball in the, in the corners, one-touch finishes, and it, and it was, you know, just learning. It was a learning period for me, and I, and I loved it. You must have had a brilliant attitude. I mean, it doesn't help that there was only one sub in them days, but to be a, a highly rated player scoring goals whenever you got the opportunity, like, you must have had a, a really good attitude. Did you play, like, in between? Did you play in the reserve games if obviously you wasn't playing... You first see matches as much. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, we would have been playing in the combination as well. So, again, I tell the stories. You know, as a, a young, skinny, 17-year-old, you're playing against Mickey Droy and Doug Rugby in the Chelsea Reserves, and they are kicking you all over the place, up in the air, elbows in the back of the head, grabbing you by the scruff of the neck, throwing you to the floor. It was just like, it was a realisation that this professional football ain't all about pretty prettiness. You, you've got to be able to mix it. You've got to be able to get involved. You've got to be able to put yourself about and handle yourself. So you get a few elbows around, around your ear hole, around across your eyes, and you think, I ain't letting that happen again. And you, you learn to jump a little bit earlier. And then all of a sudden, you start catching the centre-halves rather than them catching you. And you go, yeah, I quite like this game now. Yeah, I think that's, that's a lost thing in football is, is reserve, reserve team games. But always 21s, 23s, that ain't for me. It's all too nice, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the game's changed, doesn't it? Because, you know, if, yeah. they, if they could see some videos of our, some of the tackles, some of the challenges that, that used to get put about. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. You know, I'd, I'd obviously be, love to be playing in today's football. The amount of chances they give you by mucking about at the back with it, you know, and, you know, you only have to read it a little bit quicker than other people. You're nicking chances and getting getting goal-scoring opportunities that you don't even have to really fight for at the moment. Mm. So you only have to look at Brighton, Liverpool the other day. That there's, I think, four goals all came from mistakes at the back. It's too much at times. I think honestly, it's too much. Yeah. yeah. George eventually turned it round. He, he got a save that year. 84-85, we're promoted. Uh, you only made one appearance of sub that season, but again, Steve Lovell got 27 goals. Dean Neal got 14. And um, Kevin Bremner got 13. So, and I think then Fast with Fash coming as well. How was he for you, George, as a manager? He must have been good at man managing you to, to keep you happy for that amount of time. Um, I was I was still a young lad, and he was he kept hammering me about doing the right things, as I say, and it it didn't dawn on me until John Dockett came in and took over. He brought in a a few new players, came in with. Big Cass came in, Kevin O'Callaghan, George Lawrence and Steve Wood all at the same time. So the mill spent a few quid and all of a sudden we looked like a, a good team rather than a young team that was struggling. Yeah, I said earlier on that you got, you was part of that team, you know, had, had two or three managers, nearly went out of business, nearly got relegated. So be on the flip side of that, now you say you was part of the squad for the first taste of promotion, I think in your second, second or third season as a pro. Yeah, the club really turned it around quickly. George Graham was obviously a great appointment. Eventually he left. How did that feel for you when George Graham left? Because obviously the only only first team manager you'd known to that point. Um I didn't I don't think I minded it so much. I probably thought good. Let's hope that another manager likes me more than uh that manager and give me more of a chance. But yeah, he was he was undoubtedly very good for me. I think without George, I don't think I would have learned the game. You know, a lot of managers could have let me just drift by and think that I was having a good game and trying to curl the ball in the top corner, chipping the keeper, and you know, end up as a bit of a bit of a Wally player rather than um, uh, like a proper proper professional. The way I see it. What um, his replacement, John Doherty. What was your first impressions of Doc, and how was he for you as a manager? Um. Doc loved to chat. He loved he loved getting us all in his office, all, all the young lads all together and having a meeting, a meeting about a meeting about nothing really, but just chatting, just 
but but great camaraderie, great togetherness, all sitting there telling jokes, having a laugh. I think he was getting to know our characters, who was in control of the changing room, who who was the who was the ones, the shy ones that didn't know, didn't put themselves out, who didn't speak. It was all a, a case of getting to know us, and um, it certainly worked. We had a that that atmosphere in that change room. There was a great unity, and as I say, we're all still mates together now, and we look back and reminisce, and it was just well, it, great to be involved in. Can't yeah. can't believe it's what 35 years ago now. Now yeah. that makes that makes me feel old. <laughs> I said it before we went on air, mate. You definitely don't look it. Um, so the doctor said, Doc comes in 86, 87, and you said, Oh, with George Ram goes like mine so much, maybe this manager will give me a chance. That's exactly what he did 50 appearances, 16 goals. He was playing up front with Michael Marks that year. He got 11 goals. Great young strike duo. Yeah, I mean, but it was a tough year, though. I mean, I mean, I, I was slow, but Marks, he was even slower than me. <laughs> I, hope, I hope he was. Um, you know, it, it it was a tough year because I, I wasn't experienced enough, even though I was two years older than Marksy. I had to try and help him along. Was um was tough going that season, so it was a, it was a real tough period. In the 87-88 season, of course, as you said, league winners, 51 games. A lot of games, that, and it, 24 goals. Um, Tony Cascarino coming at that point. The 87-88 season, league winners, 51 games, 24 goals. Tony Cascarino comes in, gets 23 goals. We've had Cass on the show and he said, I, I joined Millwall from Gillingham. I scored loads of goals for the Jules, thinking I'm going to be the main man. He said, I've been part of front of this kid. He said, and he's going to me, oh, you, here, do that. He said, he's bossing me around. He said, at first I thought, what's going on here? He said, but I got used to it. I loved it. He said, I love playing up front of Ted. What was he like, big Cass? Uh, fantastic. Um, a lot of people said we, we couldn't play well together. Uh, two two tall number nines playing together, but he took a big weight off my shoulders. As I, as I said with Mark, see, I was the, the, the older statesman, but wasn't anywhere near experienced enough to do have that on my shoulders. Uh, Cass came in, got against the big centre-half, bullied him, and then the little centre-half would come up against me and I dictate a lot more over him so it worked great even our even our family members said that um, we wouldn't be able to play it together but <laughs> we wanted to we wanted to make it work and we did you know we played in a formation and, a, and, a, and the way that the team pattern was great for us get the ball up to the center forward lay it off get in the middle get in the box and get on the end of the crosses so and we was both good at that yeah, so I watched a couple of goals earlier, actually, from the season you got 38. Big kick from Orny downfield. You, you're up, win the head up, play it off, and then straight spin off, get straight in the box. So you're very strong in the air. That's you're not that's why, 6'1"? Uh, just over six foot, six foot. Um, yeah, yeah, I was good in the air. Yeah, I could, could, could head the ball well. You know, I headed it like a pass, you know. I could I could pick out someone with my head, so I was decent. Yeah. But that, that year, that was under Bruce Rioch. Uh, where I scored the 38 goals and, and he was yeah, fantastic yeah. for me as well. So all these people, all these managers that, that have been great for me along along my my growing up period. Getting back to when you were you, you partnered Cass, I spoke to Michael Marks on over text once 
and he was like the youngest ever person to score an action for me or so. I said, what happened after me or he said, what, what, what would you, what, what could I do? Tell you Sheridan and Tony Castrino, I had no fucking chance. Yeah, it's a shame with Mark, because he, he had a, he was a very similar player to me. Now, could hold yeah. the ball up really well, wins his headers, knew how to score a goal. But I suppose, like you said about me earlier in my career, if you think you're not going to get a chance, what do you do? And maybe he got despondent about that, but he could definitely have had a, had a career at a decent level. Just spoke about Tony Cascarino. There's so many names I want to ask you about. Um, let's start. Let's start with a keeper, Orny. I know Orny. He's a good cracker. He great yeah. goalkeeper as well for how tall he was. Yeah, yeah, great lad. Um, all I can remember is he he was a little bit heavier than he should have been. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Um, throughout his Millwall career, and he was forever on the scales. John Dockett always putting him on the scales. How much you had to eat today? No, I ain't had anything, boss. Little liar. He's had a burger on the way to training. He'll have a burger on the way back from training. He'll have a couple of burgers at night. And then start, and then just before he goes to bed, he'll have another burger. But he'll come in and say, Nah, I didn't eat anything, boss. And he'd come in, you know, four pound heavier than he was yesterday. Uh, it, it was a, it was a running joke with the players that, you know, he was always on the scouse, only the scouse. Fantastic keeper though. Um, very what good. Very good kicker. He could put the ball where he wanted. So that that was invaluable for us as, as centre-forwards. What about Keith Stevens, Rhino? Because I, I just remember Rhino's always being a veteran, but obviously you would have seen him as a youngster. Was he always angry? Always angry. Always moaning. 
forever moaning. Um, still, still moaning now. Like we don't, he's living in Australia now. We don't see him from one, three or four years to the next, and he, you know, he just comes straight over. and goes, fucking weather, fucking joke, isn't it? And it's just you know, first thing he says, it's not how you doing, lads. You know, we ain't seen you for ages. He's like, oh, well, traffic's murder, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Typical rhino, but again, great player to have in your team. Hard as nails, used to leave not just left wingers but centre forwards line, lining on a heap. And it, like we'd say to him, What you done now, Ryan? How he go, I never touched him, but you just knew you knew damn well that it was him that put him over. He'd either elbowed him or stamped on him or something. But quality player as well, Ryan. Yeah, another good player that maybe didn't get the credit he deserved because he got labelled as a half man, Terry Erlock. What was Terry like? Yeah. Well, I've heard so many stories on him. Absolute legend. Uh, he got banned from driving um, while up, while, and we're both coming from the same area. So I used to pick him up, drop him off quite a bit. Uh, absolutely hilarious. You don't, you don't think of that when you look at Terry and you think like he's a hard as nails, but he's one of the funniest men, one of the funniest men you're ever likely to meet. It's just he had his one-liners, just comes out and killed people. You know, you, you, had to, you had to get to know him as well. Great lad. Great lad. And a proper footballer as well. Yeah, he was a great player. A lot better than what people thought. Because he looked that, that you know, rough and ready, they thought he was just going to be a hard man. But he could play. Little one-touches around the corner, go and get it the other side. Yeah, real real good for me. Now that season for you personally was, was a really good one. 24 goals. Uh, which led to our promotion. Just I watched this morning the, the hat trick at West Brom. It's probably first hat trick for the club. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what uh, at home or away? Away. Away. Uh, yeah, I think I scored a couple hat tricks against West Brom. I like playing against them. Yeah, you did. You scored one. I saw. I saw that one at home. You curled yeah. one on the left foot in the cold blow lane. That was the yeah. next year after. I feel a couple of years later. Yeah, scored. Scored some great goals around that period. Loved, loved scoring goals for Millwall and, yeah, obviously playing against West Brom as well. <laughs> and then I'll just two games I want to pick your brains about. First, Bournemouth away, of course. Yeah, but Hull. still talking about Hull then, yeah. Yeah, Kevin O'Callaghan scoring our only goal, winning 1-0. Fantastic day. You know, the absolute, I don't know how many Millwall fans were up there that day, but uh, they went up there full expectancy for us to win and hopefulness as well and just just a fantastic day for everyone concerned really and as i said grown men coming in the change room afterwards getting down the tunnel and crying on crying over us and you know Millwall in the in the first division unbelievable so what was it what was the party like this players did you go to barbados on an end of season trip is that that year um i think we did uh we went to yeah, I'm not sure whether it was that year or we, we went to, we, we definitely went to Barbados one year. We went to Australia and Penang one year as well. Yeah, we had some good trips that, again, team bonding for that, that little group. I'm not sure which was which. They all rolled into one because they were great trips. <laughs> Fair enough. And then obviously the 88-89 season, there it is. Our first and only, oh, first and only time in the top floor, obviously, was in it two seasons. You and Caspo scored 15 goals that season. Was there, and, and at one point, we was very briefly top of the division as well, I think, for a couple of days. Was clubs starting to sniff around you then at that point, do you think? Um, there, was, there was speculation. There was speculation about um, 
uh, a few clubs interested, yeah. And I, I remember getting dropped uh, for the QPR game. I went to get on the bus and, and Doc, Doc told me not to get on, but he had the ump of me and I was like, what's all that about? And he said something about believing all the speculation that's going on. You ain't playing today. And I was like, what? I don't remember the full story, but I was just absolutely astounded that, you know, that, that wasn't in my mind at all. I was just happy. I was happy scoring goals for Millwall. We, you know, we, we've gone places like Anfield and drawing one all. We're going to Old Trafford. I know we got smashed there 5-1, but the atmosphere was unbelievable. And, it, you know, I was just loving playing for Millwall in the top division and, and enjoying everything. So, uh, I was a bit gutted that day. Yeah, maybe I really just probably done it just to try and ground you, even if you had heard some rumours. Not that he was above your station, but all right, we'll just bring him back down a notch, just in case he is thinking that, do you know what I mean? Yeah, maybe, maybe. The 89-90 season, well, so actually, before I get on to that, is it, what, is, what was this, any standout moments for you in that first year in the, in the Prem? Uh, like I say, go, going to places like Old Trafford, Anfield, White Hart Lane, um... Ivory, you just you, you just didn't think you'd be doing it for Millwall. No. Um, it was you know everyone was loving being involved in the top flight when they and when the fixtures first came out. We we was actually on um, we rather than give us big wages, we was on our, our wages. Then we had win bonus, crowd bonus, and positional bonus. To look out from the little uh, laundry area and look to see that there was like however many crowd we had, it, it went in little tiers. So the more crowd we had, the, the next stage we went to before we even thought about our win bonus. Um, so we used to look out the laundry window and see that it was filling up. It's like it's a full house today, lads. Yes, we're on we're on another four hundred quid before we even start. And if we were playing against one of the lower teams, it'd only it'd only be half full. Although. It, it was pretty much full in that first season every game because we like everybody was loving the fact that we was in the top division. Um, so you know we, we we was loving the fact that we was getting bonuses coming in left, right, and centre, even though we was on peanuts compared to everyone else in the league. I've never heard anything like that. a crowd bonus. That is, I'll be out, I'll be dishing out free tickets to people. Yeah, get get in the den. Yeah, no, that, but that was the thing they had to pay for it. I think that I think the club had a little scam on that against us because we used to see a full house out there. And they'd, they'd say in our wage packet, there was only 11,000. It was like, 11,000? It was absolutely rammed. <laughs> oh, that's, that's absolutely brilliant, mate. So the second season obviously didn't go to plan. We was relegated. You still got 12 goals and Cass got 11. Um, and then the dock was sacked. How did that go down for you? Not great. I got injured early on. Uh, I got injured with my ankle ligaments. And uh, everyone knows who, who plays football. If you do your ligaments in, in anything, it's it's a bad injury. And even though I was only out for three months, I don't think I was right until a few months after that anyway. We had a bad time. Um, Doc getting the sack. I think everyone was very, very disappointed after what he'd done for the club. Got us into the top division for the first time in the club's history. And then getting the sack at the first, first sign of things going wrong we, we was all very very disappointed for Doc um, yeah, and sure. surprised in the club it was a it was a big shock to the system it was it was my first experience of 
seeing a manager lose his job, really, you know, um, it, it was tough to take. But, you know, life goes on and you've got to try and turn things around. Cass, yeah. Cass left the club. Cass went to Aston Villa. And it was yeah. a, a big change, start of changing things at the football club. Yeah, Cass went to Aston Villa. Terry went to Rangers. But you stayed. Was was There must have been interest from other clubs after that. Did you... Was it your choice to stay? Did the club ask you to stay? Or? Um, nothing really came about, not from my perspective. I, you know, we were going back down into the to the now championship, and it was like, okay, it is what it is. Um, I think there was speculation, but nothing really came about of it. Um, and I was happy. Bruce Riot came in. And I loved working for Bruce. He was he was great for me. You know, everything was geared for get the ball up to Teddy up front, get the ball out wide, get the ball in the middle for Teddy to, you know, and the other striker, whether that be John Goodman or Malcolm Allen, Alex Ray had been brought brought down from Rangers up in Scotland. He was great at getting forward, scoring his goals as well. And it was a it was a, a unbelievable period for me. I, I scored 38 goals that year and. Bruce was forever out on the training ground with me. Steve Harrison was a great coach as well. And we, we was having good fun again and um, the goals were flowing. So I had no reason to, to want to go anywhere else. Yeah, we, we played some really good football there. Paul Kerr was another really good player, wasn't he? I liked him. With him, Malcolm Allen, Alex Ray, you up front, Paul Stevenson. We, we, put some, we put some good results together and scored loads of goals. Yeah. Yeah, as you say, Paul Stevenson, Jimmy Carter, the two wingers as well. Um, yeah, great, great football. Yeah. You know, Bruce, had, Bruce had managed at the top level. Yeah, it was great, great to be involved in. You mentioned the name there, Steve Harrison. We've had so many funny stories on him. It's unbelievable. But he was supposed to be a really good coach as well, wasn't he? On top of that. Yeah. When he first came in, I thought to myself, you know, he kept mucking about all the time. And I'm thinking... This, this fella's going to drive me mad. But but he, he had his mucking about times, and then the next minute he'd be, come on, let's get focused, let's be professional, we're, we're, we've got to get this done now. And he was brilliant. And he used to pull me aside, and, and he'd be like, right, you know, I was having a good season, got 15 goals, come on, what's some more? Don't, don't give up there, 16, 17, 20, 22. And it was like, come on, get a couple more goals at the weekend, 24, 26. And it was like, you know, he'd keep on at me. On Friday mornings, come on got to get focused you've got 30 now we see how, let's see how many we can get and it was brilliant we do shooting and crossing and finishing and it was you know just honing honing my goal scoring skills were great to grab him around and Malcolm Allen as you say was there and Alex Roby used to have shooting competitions finishing competitions they used to have drinking competitions as well didn't they Malcolm and Alex yeah yeah. Oh, you've heard all about those two as well. Yeah, both, yeah, both been on. Malcolm was brilliant. Malcolm son, no one likes us in Welsh when he come on. Did he? <laughs> he uh, two loose cannons of the team, yeah? Yeah, they used, to, they used to live down this way, down near Gravesend. They used to call them, wherever it was, the, 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 the menaces of that town, whatever it was. I can't remember what the town yeah. it was. I went, I went up to watch, uh, I went with Alex Ray. He said to me, you fancy coming up to the old firm final uh, to, to watch Terry in the in the cup final, the league cup final. And I was like, yeah, I'll have some of that. That'd be nice. So we, uh, we went up there. We had a night out. We was, was absolutely smashed. Went to the game the next day. 
and half of the ground is Celtic and half is Rangers. And he wants to stand right five yards away from the fence where the Rangers fans stood, obviously, and five yards away from the Celtic fans. And there's bottles flying about and food coming over. And, and I'm like, Alex, can we go and stand over there so we can watch the game? He's going, no, nah, it's fucking great. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking... Having a go at the Celtic fans. And I'm like, what the, what am I doing here? It's fucking lunatic. <laughs> I think actually Alex has been on. I think Alex told the story of the next day when you got back to training. And you, you think you was both late for training and, and you walked in and the manager went, so I don't worry because you was a top scorer. And, and Alex walked in and he went, don't even bother putting your fucking boots on. You ain't training or something. You got away with one because you scored all the goals. <laughs> yeah. That was Alex's excuse for not getting in the team at the weekend. <laughs> well, look, we fell short that season. Despite your 38 goals, we lost out to Brighton in the playoffs. Looking back at that team, I don't know if we didn't win the league, but we didn't. Um, and then you eventually left the club. The clubs must have been queuing up for you. Well, yeah, we're very disappointed not to not to get promoted that year. Um, and it, and I felt at the time that it was time for me to leave. Um, Blackburn actually came in for me at the start of Jack Walker's um, oh, reign. Really? And they, they agreed a fee with Millwall, and um, I went and spoke to the manager of Blackburn at the time. I forget his name, Don. I forget his name. That's terrible. I can't remember his name. But I went to speak to him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, um, I didn't really want to go to Blackburn, even though you know they were still in the same division as Millwall. So I wanted to go back to the Premier League and. Uh, about a week later, Nottingham Forest came in and Cluffy being the manager, it was like, right, I, I've got to go. I've got to go and speak to him. And as, as soon as I got up to Nottingham, I loved everything about Nottingham and, and Brian Clough and just thought, I'm going to love it here. So I signed signed for Nottingham Forest. He's 25 by that point. 25 years old, £2 million. If, you know, we know now that you went on to play to a ridiculous age at a high level. What was he like, Brian Clough? As, as a manager, I've heard, I've heard so many stories on him from other podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you heard Mark Crossy talk about him? He tells some yeah. great stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and Dean Saunders. Dean Saunders tells a couple of great stories about Cluffy. But when I first went up there, uh, walked into Nottingham, uh, into the county, um, into the city ground up there, and um, I was with my agent, and you could hear Cluffy walking around the corridors, and all the, all the apprentices were all scarfing because they didn't want to come into... They come into conflict with him. He'd tell him to wash his car or walk his dog or something. You know, little did I know that. I didn't know that at the time, but they was all running out of the way. And he came round the corner and he went, "Ah, Edward, you're our new striker from from London, are you?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, Mr. Clough, but um, I prefer it if you don't call me Edward because only my mum calls me Edward. Everyone, everyone else calls me Teddy." And he went, "Welcome to Nottingham, Edward," and walked off. <laughs> And it was like, okay, he's the boss, he, and, he, and he did. He called me Edward a lot of the time up there. Yeah, I bet, I bet you let him do it as well, didn't you? I bet you didn't say, don't call me that again. Yeah, but he, he was great. I mean, his football was very simplistic. You know, he'd put a ball in the middle of the changing room on a towel, and he'd just say, look, there's only one ball, go and win it. Once you've got it, look after it, help your mate. Go on then, out you go, lads. And I'd be like, what? That's it. That's the whole team talk. That's it, we're done. 
And I'd look at Desi Walker, Stuart Pearce, and they go, yeah, that's it. That's all he says to us. Just make sure you look after that ball when you win it. Beautiful. I'm going to enjoy this. Yeah, brilliant, mate. I'd love to keep you all day, but I'm just pleased I got you on. I know you're a busy man. Obviously, you went on to have an unbelievable career after that. Champions League winner, scored in the Champions League final against Bayern Munich. Um, MBE. Um, but I, I can't, I would never forgive myself if I didn't ask you about your own 96. Because I was 16 at the time. Mate, uh, memories from that that I'll always remember. Unbelievable. The dentist chair, Scotland, Holland. I suppose you might have to mention Germany in there somewhere as well. Yeah, absolutely fantastic to be involved in Euro 96. Um, the whole nation got behind us, even though they were all raging with us about the, the dentist chair, as you mentioned. But I'll go into, I'll go into that very briefly. That We was allowed a night out. Um, and when you let 20-odd uh, young lads out all together to, to have a quiet couple of drinks, you know it's going to turn a little bit lively. So, uh, and, it, and it certainly did. It was a fantastic night. The pictures didn't look great. I, I understand the next morning, and the manager absolutely castigated us, Terry Venables, uh, in the change room. But went out to the press and said, "Don't know what all the fuss is about. I let them have a drink. You know, this is my fault. If they've gone too far, it's my fault." And that that was that was the beauty of Terry Venables being a fantastic manager. That he took all the heat off of us. Uh, he took the blame himself, and that made us want to dig that little bit deeper at, at times when you're when you're playing for a man like that. He was, you know, fantastic. Mm. So being involved in Euro '96, you know, it, it just the whole competition got got bigger and bigger, escalated from Switzerland to the Scottish game when Gaza scored the, the wonderful goal. Uh, then beating Holland the way we did and probably my most memorable game in, in football and what a stage to do it for England at home at Wembley against the top nation winning 4-1 scoring a couple of goals being named man of the match it don't get much better than that and sometimes you look back on, on football matches and you think you know I'd look back on games and I'd back on a lot of my career and think I've played really well today and then you'd watch it back, maybe, and, and see all the mistakes you'd make and think, Jesus, I weren't that good, even though I scored a couple of goals. But when I look back, they, they showed Euro 96 um, during COVID because everyone was sitting indoors. Yeah. And I thought, I'm going to watch this. I've had a really good game here. And I watched it and I thought, yes, for once, I did have a really good game. So it's a it's a great one to look back on. And uh, just great moments, as, as you mentioned earlier coming to Germany and getting knocked out by penalties. That prick Southgate, I don't know what he's up to now, but he cost us dearly, dearly didn't he? <laughs> Mate, the, do you know, when I said the dentist chair, I'm, I'm, I weren't going to ask you about the actual dentist chair. I was talking about, but I'm glad I got the story, but with Gazza, obviously, the recreation, the goal. You, you was actually, was it you and Steve McManaman and Darren Ando on, on with the bottles? It was. Uh, Jamie Redknapp was there and Gary Neville, I think, was were there as well um, but I, I laid the ball off to Darren Anderton on the halfway line Anderton put it over to Gazza and Gazza scored so by the time Gazza scored I was I was still on the halfway line and I'm not the quickest as you know so by the time I got to Gazza they'd already done a celebration oh. but because I was in the pictures with Gazza and we was the ones that got got uh got all the stick about it, I said to Gazza, lay down again and I want to do it. I want, to, I want my own photo. So, 
so we did it again. <laughs> oh, mate, that's brilliant. And that, that Holland game, it was that was phenomenal. You and Big Al, we absolutely tore him a new one, didn't we? What's he like to play yeah. in front of Big Al? I can imagine it's a dream. Yeah, he, he was the best at the time. He was the best uh, striker, without a doubt. And we had a lot of strikers in the in the England squad at the time. Uh, Les Ferdinand, Ian Wright was around the city, probably Fowler. Mickey Barnby was trying to get in the team as well. And it, it was just a case of who's going to play alongside him, really. Mate, and you, you got the nod, mate. Unbelievable. So I, I, when I finish yeah. the show, I always ask the same questions. And one I always asks is if you had any funny fan interactions with Mill fans. There's a story that does the rounds about you. I don't know if it's true. You might be able to enlighten us. So you came back to the den years later to watch a game. You got out of a taxi and a Mill fan saw it was you. It's pissing down the road. And you went, Ted, Ted, don't get out of the car. And he took his coat off and threw it in the puddle for you to walk over. Is that true? No, it was even better than that. It was. Oh, I, I came... The car drove me right up to the to the New Den entrance and I went to get out of the car and there was four big brutes of Millwall fans and one of them realised it was me and there was a puddle right outside the right outside the, the, the door and he laid down in the puddle. Ted, there's no way you can you can tread on that water going into the den. I want you to walk over me. <laughs> and I'm, I swear, I think I was with my agent at the time, and I looked, at, I looked at the lad on the on the floor. I looked at my agent. I looked at his mates, and I went, "Mate, I can't do that. Get, get out, get out, get out." And his mate looked at me, and he went, "You better walk over him. You better walk over him quickly because he's laying on the floor waiting for you to do that." And I'm like, "I can't do that." And he went, "Mate, fucking walk over him." And he, <laughs> And he looked up at me and went, you fucking better walk over me. And I'm like, all right. So I stepped on his chest to get over him and walked into the <laughs> Oh, mate, that is, that is absolutely brilliant. Well, look, Ted, we'll end it there, mate. Thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, no, thanks for all the goals at Millwall, mate. Thanks for joining us. Right, cheers, mate. Cheers, Dan. Good luck. 